was going to do something else. I asked him about that. I didn't even know he was going to do it. That's a great song, isn't it? Amen. It's an encouragement to us. Just keep on going. And uh, after all these years of marriage, I have to keep reminding myself of that. Just keep at it, Jen. She'll get better. <laughs> Matter of fact, <laughs> I thought I'd just mention this Tuesday will be our 60th anniversary. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. 60 years with the same woman is a trip. <laughs> But God's been good to us. He's been faithful. Uh, he's given us wonderful people in our lives to hold it together at the beginning. And then after a few years, I got saved and then begin to grow. And then feel God call you to the ministry. You go to school. She's right there beside you the whole time. And she's been tutoring me now for all these years in English. Yeah, a lot of people say, boy, I wish I could speak this language, this language. I'm having trouble with English still and uh, but she's been a great mate and so uh, I love you hon I just want you to know that you know when we get saved it's a wonderful thing uh, we look back and we see how the spirit of God brought us to that decision we we came to a conclusion because of our sin that we were lost we were helpless uh, had no answers for our life or our eternity, why we're even here. And as we begin to learn through the scriptures, we look and see how God says, I have the answer for your problem of sin. And that answer is that I sent my only begotten son who came to this world, died for your sins, shed his blood, and they buried him, and three days later he rose from the grave. That's called the gospel. That's what a person has to believe in order to be saved. Nothing else. Just believe they're sinners, can't save themselves, but Jesus Christ is God's son who died for them, was buried, and rose again. And as we look back on that, we see the conviction we came under. Uh, uh, we were guilty because of our sin, and we were convicted of that. And then the convincing of that. God convinced us of the truth that Jesus Christ was and is the only answer. And what he accomplished is enough. And then there was the calling of salvation where faith came to our heart and we cried out to God in our heart, God, I believe. I believe that what you've done for me through Christ is enough to save me. And when we called out to God, we were converted. Uh, he changed us from being dead to making us become alive in spiritual relationship with him. And then we were changed. Uh, we, you know, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And God has changed our life. And so I'm so grateful for that. And then after you become a child, one of the great truths is, is the privilege of having access don't have to go through a church, a priest, anybody else. We have direct access to God now in our prayer life, in our relationship with God. Uh, I don't need anybody else. I can just close my mind and my heart and just say, God, and he's there. 
Ephesians 2.18 says this to us, and I like this. For through him, Christ, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. And if you see in that verse right there, you see the Trinity. In other words, our access involves the entire Godhead. The entire Godhead is part. The Spirit of God works in us. We pray through Christ who makes it possible. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, and we can speak to our Heavenly Father because of that. Thank God for that access. But we've learned that all the Bible or all Scripture is profitable for us, but not all Scripture is specifically directly to us. God wants us to pray, but he doesn't want us to pray like in time past nor the ages to come. You know, I've given you the little illustration. In time past, God dealt with Israel. Genesis 12 through Acts 8, if you want to say 7, 8, right in that range. And God set Israel temporarily aside. Now he's dealing with the but now, the church, the age of grace. That's where we are. It's been going on for 2,000 years. One day we're going to be raptured out of here. Then at that time, it's the ages to come. He deals with the nation of Israel again through the tribulation and so on. And so I today don't pray like in time past, like the Israelites, nor do I pray like in the ages to come where he re, re, uh, what, revives them and deals with them once again. Today I'm in the dispensation of grace, and God wants me to pray that way. There's always prayer in every dispensation, but they are governed not by the same rules or regulations. The wrong thing we can do is to be scriptural, but be dispensationally wrong. Example, praying under law is different than praying under grace. Right? That, that's pretty simple couple examples concerning our salvation. We know that in time past with the Jews, they had to have faith, evidence by circumcision, and then repentance and water baptism. It states in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he says this, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then verse 16, if you can follow that up, guys, no, I don't want that one right yet. But anyway, verse 16 says, And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Water baptism for the Jew. And then he says in Acts 2.38 then, okay, then in Acts 2.38, then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Baptism for the remission of sins and then, after you're water baptized, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that was their salvation. Time past forgiveness. Matthew 6, 14 says this here. For if you forgive men, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So forgiveness in time past was conditional, right? And then their eternal hope, 
Daniel 2.44 says this, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. They looked for the kingdom, the thousand-year reign upon this earth. He states this in Acts 1-3. After his resurrection to his 12 Jewish disciples, to whom also he showed himself alive after many passions by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, and now notice this, and speaking of things pertaining to what? The kingdom of God. When he came, he came to tell them the kingdom was at hand. After the resurrection, he offered that kingdom. And so you don't miss, he's not talking about a spiritual kingdom here. He's talking about a literal kingdom on earth because verse 6 says this here in verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, Lord, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? So they, their eternal hope is this kingdom on this earth. However, for us today, salvation, Romans 3, 24 and 25, but justify, being justified freely by his grace to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, a satisfied sacrifice, through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for remission of sins that are past and so on. Today we're saved by the grace of God through faith in the finished work of Christ. Acts 16, 30 and 31 he said, what must I do to be saved? Then he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Doesn't say you have to be circumcised. Doesn't have to say you have to keep the law. Doesn't say you have to be water baptized there. You just have to believe. Did you get that? Chapter 13, verse 38 says this here. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sin. And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Well, you talk about a difference. Paul, when he started preaching right there, even our forgiveness, Ephesians 4.32. You'll be there. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath, past tense, forgiven you. You see, our forgiveness is not conditional. Our forgiveness is total, complete the moment you're saved. The moment you're saved, God forgives you of your past sin, your present sin, your future sin. That's why you can be justified, sanctified, and glorified. Uh, uh, and he says, he which hath begun to work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, I think that's so important. And our eternal hope, 2 Corinthians 5.1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God at a house not made with hands, eternal in the, the heavens. You see, we're not looking for the kingdom on the earth. We're looking to go to heaven one day. That's our eternal hope, okay? So likewise, there's time past prayers and time present prayers. You can go to a bookstore today and you see all the books that are written, 
that's been written and to try to instruct us how to pray, how to get our prayers answered. And I was just thinking about that. Isn't it more important of what God says to us than what we say to God? I just was thinking about that as I was doing this. There are many TV preachers most give guaranteed ways to have your prayers answered. How to receive a miracle. How to get a hundredfold back. How to claim your healing or to get your wealth. The problem with that, it doesn't work for your life. And the problem is, it doesn't work in their life. The only thing that works in their life is your continued contributing to them. You forgive me. There are many here who have prayed, cried out to God for a sick loved one, and they died. For a marriage, it ended up in divorce. A certain job, but somebody else got it. You prayed for a lost member, they're still lost. You prayed for a certain position, and they said no. You prayed for a financial miracle, and they're still in foreclosure. Huh? You see, you had heard somebody, whether it's a church or on TV, they said to you, believe it, decree it, claim it, agree to it, and receive it. And you heard that. And by the way, they use the Bible. That's what's scary. They will use Matthew 7, 7, and 8. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Ask, seek, knock. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Then they'll use Matthew 21, 22. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive it. Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And then John 14, 13, 14. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father be not glorified, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now just remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the Jews, but mainly to his 12 apostles. Amen? And let's be truthful and honest. These verses have not worked like they said they would. Have you ever noticed in these verses there's no maybes? It shall, it shall. Circumstances in our lives often has put us on our knees and we've used and claimed these verses. I did this. We prayed and asked as honest as we could, as clean, as believing as we could. Yet, nothing. No answers. It didn't clear up. It didn't come to pass whatsoever. Now, we know that's not allowed in these verses, but they didn't work. And in the back of our mind, the fact it didn't work sits there. And you begin to think, something's wrong with me. 
or you. Or God has let you down. And so you begin to go down your list of reasons that the TV preacher told you why you should get it. One, they might say, for his own reasons, God didn't answer your prayers. I can live with that one. Or they'll say, evidently, there is some sin in your life. That's a big one. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But then you think that through. Well, wait a minute. All my sins have been forgiven. My past, my present, my future. Just think that through. Or they might say, you might have asked selfishly. Boy, just because I want $5 million, well, that's selfish. You ask amiss because you want to consume it on your own lust, they say. And here's the big one. You just didn't have enough faith to make it happen. It's your fault. It didn't happen. So you say, okay, I'll try again. And you make sure you're clean. You've confessed all your sins that God's already forgiven them, by the way. But you confess all your sins. You get bold. You believe. You even enlist other people to be in agreement. And again, you claim the promises that's guaranteed. And you pull out that one big one. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and following. And Jesus answering, saith unto him, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe, that you receive them, and you shall have them. Boy, that's pretty straight, clear, simple. I'm clean, I'm bold, I believe. You know, I remember praying with my mom one time. She was dying of cancer. I prayed my heart out that day. I'll never forget it. The best time I ever had with my mom, actually, in, in this spiritual way. I cried out to God. I believed if he wanted to, if he could create the world, he could do anything. I, I remember that. But you know something? She died. Was my God a failure? Hmm? But again, you're disheartened. You're discouraged. Your disillusion. Now here's the problem. If you go and claim a promise that is not made to you, you have no reason to be upset when you don't get the answer. Amen? Prayer can be a very dangerous thing in your life because it could fail you. 
not because God failed you, but because you claimed prayer promises that were not given to you. Some people say, well, I'm going to claim these verses. I'm healed in Jesus' name. They stopped taking their medication. They stopped going to doctors. They stopped having blood transfusions. On and on it goes. Huh? It can be dangerous. Could I get an amen there just a little bit? In the process of your naming and believing, when no answer comes, your conclusion then is God did not come through. His promises are not true. Thus, God's character is lessened by doing that. All this turmoil is simple. The reason this goes on is because people are not rightly dividing the scriptures. There's a difference, I pray, today than they did in time past or the way they'll pray in the ages to come. It's completely different today. We only find, and by the way, have you ever noticed yourself where the whatsoever, the anything you ask promises where they are found in the scriptures? Where are they found? Mark 11 we went over that, right? Go on to verse 25 there. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, wait a minute, there's a condition again. And it's right next to the promise verses. Now, don't miss this. We only find that whatsoever, anything you ask, in faith promises in one small portion of the Bible, mainly dealing with our Lord's earthly ministry. When he ministered to Israel in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These promises are not found in the Old Testament or in Paul's 13 books that he wrote to the body of Christ. Why? Simply because these promises had to do with Christ's earthly ministry to show he's the Messiah, to get his apostles, and to show the kingdom for Israel was ready to be set up. Don't forget your verses when you read and you study. I'm pulling my pants up less today, by the way. Because somebody showed somebody a video, video of one of our services, and then they asked, what did you think about the message? They said, your pastor has a problem keeping his pants up, doesn't he? <laughs> That's what he got out of the video. <laughs> but remember, Matthew 10, 5 through 7. This is in Matthew's gospel. These twelve Jesus sent forth, commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, half Jew, half Gentile, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Don't go to Gentiles. 
So let me ask you, how could that be for me today then? Huh? Chapter 15, verse 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Hello. Not unto the world, the Gentiles. You see, God had a plan to reach the world, but Israel had to be saved first. So when he's on earth, Jew, 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 period. And then he says, Paul says in Romans 15, 8, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the, who's that? The Jews, for the truth of God to confirm the promises, these promises made unto the fathers. Who's the fathers? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on. So Christ's earthly ministry was about that he was the Messiah. And if they would believe in him, then they only had a short period before the kingdom would be set up. But Israel, in unbelief, said, no, we don't want this man to rule over us. And as a result of their unbelief, God then temporarily set Israel aside. That created a problem. Who's going to reach the world now? Romans eleven twenty five says this here. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part is happened to Israel. How long is it going to last? Until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Israel set aside until the body of Christ is full. That last person is saved, and then we're shooting out of here. Amen? That's how long, temporarily, until we are completed as a body of Christ. And by the way, where do you find in Scripture that whatever you ask, anything you ask, that promise will be fulfilled? Where can you show me in the Bible that was ever said to a Gentile? Hello? You'll not find it. And there's a reason for that. So today in time present, does God promise us whatsoever we ask, anything we ask, anything believing, agreeing? And the answer is no. So what about today? Romans 8, 26 says this here. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It would be a calamity if we would receive what we prayed for. Uh, anything that we prayed for, it'd be unbelievable. We'd all be driving Porsches today, wouldn't we? <laughs> it'd be a crazy world. You know, Romans 8, 28, you know it well. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose, right? All these things come into our life. But the next verse tells us why. That we might be conformed unto the image of his son. These things work to mold us so we can model Jesus Christ. And whatever prayer answer God will give us will help mold us to become like Jesus Christ, whatever that answer may be. Philippians 4, 6 says this here. 
Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That's, it's not limited. Whatever request, you can, you know, God's way, he wants to hear from us. And when we make our request known to God, what happens? Is it whatsoever or anything we ask? Of course not. You can believe all you want, it's not going to happen. No doubt God is a generous, gracious, prayer-answering God. And we know that at times he even overwhelms us with his goodness. No question about his meeting our needs. But when it comes to prayer, Philippians 4, 7 says this here. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's with the verse making our requests made known. The highest expression of our faith and trust is to give God our request and then to trust God to answer it any way he wants to. That's called faith. And we walk by faith, not by sight today. Amen. God does care for us. He does love us. He promises his answers to our prayers will work for our good to make us more like Jesus. So when we pray, we pray thy will be done. When we pray, we then leave the answer, the outcome in, to him in faith, but he promised us there that when we give him our request, there's one thing he promises that he does give. He gives us peace. God will work it out his way, and I can trust my God. And that gives confidence and peace in our hearts. Under the grace, the dispensation of grace, prayer forces us to throw ourselves totally upon God in trust. At times, God says no. At times, God says yes. At times, God says timing's not good, maybe later. And at times, God will answer a prayer in a different way than what I thought. Amen? But regardless, I'm going to have peace about it. We leave it in God's hand. We trust his call on our request. Now, when we do that, some people say, well, wait a minute. What's the use of even praying then if we don't get all we pray for? Well, Psalm 106 verse 15 says this, and he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. As I said before, I'm grateful he doesn't give everything that I pray to him to give me because it would send me le God knows what's best for us. Today we claim the scriptures, Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or thank according to the power that worketh in us. We Christians have to remind ourselves he's God, we're not. And we don't have the right to tell God demand God what he should be doing. Amen? We are to trust him 
and allow his sovereignty to be over our life. We love the story of Daniel, den of lions, he's delivered. Wonderful, it's true, but there were thousands thrown to the lions in Rome. No angel appeared to help them. We love the story of the three Hebrew children in the fire, and the Son of God appears in there with them, but John Huss and many other martyrs died in the flames. We love the Heroes Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11 of Noah and Abraham, Moses, Elijah, but in verse 36 and 37, there were many others that were tortured, beaten, and even sawn asunder, sawn in half. We love the story of Peter in Acts 12 where he's in prison and an angel comes and lets him out. Oh, he's delivered. But the preceding chapter, it tells of James the apostle, Peter's apostle brother, they had his head chopped off. So it doesn't always come out like we think it should, right? So God says to us today, I'm closing, blessed is the person who's not upset with the way I run my business. Amen? Blessed is that person who understands the purpose of prayer. Isn't merely to get the things that they want but to learn to accept whatever God gives. I can see the great apostle Paul. Lord, this infirmity, man, if you could take it away, it'd be such a blessing. God, I, I pray, take this away from me. And finally, after three times asking, God said, no. Said, my grace is sufficient. Paul learned how to live with it. And then Paul realized something. He had more of the presence and power of God upon his life in his infirmity. And he said, I don't want it removed now. I want it to be a reminder to me. God's grace is sufficient. And what a testimony he gave. Blessed is a person who lets God be God and who believes God no matter what. That's our prayer life. We let our requests be made known unto God. He loves us. Sometimes he answers in the way we want, and many times he doesn't. But that doesn't mean he didn't keep his promise. He works in different ways at different times. So when I pray today, I let my request be made known to him, and I just said, I will be done, God. And I've had preachers on TV mock that. I, I said, how... I want to say asinine. I don't know if you can say that in church, but I said it. How arrogant. Amen. How arrogant that they know better than God. Amen. So I do pray in faith. I know God can answer my prayers, but I don't know what's best for me most of the time. And God does. And so I give it to his hand and I trust him. That's what God wants us to do as believers. And by the way, you might be here this morning and you've never been saved. We are going to stand up and sing a song of invitation in just a second. And if God spoke to you, uh, we'll meet you here at the front. Now, if you're a member here, you've been praying about some things and you're really discouraged, disillusioned, that nothing's happening in your prayer life. Understand where you are. 
at this time, you're in the dispensation of the grace of God. But what a time to be in. Grace knows so much more and is so wonderful more than law. So don't get discouraged. Trust God. Let's everybody stand if you would. Father, we love you. We just ask you to be with all of us this morning and to get a hold of this so that we're not hoodwinked. We're not praying prayers that do not even go to us, but that we stay straight, we cut it correctly, we rightly divide, and those things are cleared up then when they don't happen. And I'm grateful for your word, for the privilege we have to be able to share it with the people. I just pray that you would encourage our people's hearts to keep on letting their requests know, but may they trust you in what you're going to do for them. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.